Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I was looking for, that rascal's not here, I don't think. Uh, Asher. Asher Antes. Where is he at? Tell him he missed his day today. Let me tell you, I wanted to share this dream I had last night, and Asher was in it. He's a young guy, blonde-headed, slim feller. Uh, he's got a brother who's real wild, and he's sort of a pass, more passive in his personality. Uh, huh? Isaac, yeah, it's Isaac. Y'all know, probably Isaac because he's more outgoing. But anyways, let me tell you about this dream I had last night. This was really, really an awesome dream, and... In the dream, I was in, I think it was either a fellowship, like a fellowship meal kind of thing at church or somewhere, or a restaurant, and I was at a round table with a bunch of people, and an angel came into the room, okay, and this angel, I was able to communicate with this angel through thoughts, okay, I could hear this angel's thoughts, and he would respond to my thoughts, and uh, this angel was really, I want to tell you, it was a really powerful angel, he was redheaded, okay, <laughs> He was a big redhead, man. I mean, he was a big man, big boned. In other words, he was the kind of guy, if, if he was a man in the natural, you would think twice before you mess with him. He was that kind of guy. But, uh, but this is what he told me. Okay, first of all, I, uh, he told me that we need to pay attention to the laws that govern man right in this season. Pay attention to the laws that govern man. And I, in my mind, I said, what laws? And he said... For instance, the law of sowing and reaping. Okay, now that's a law that governs everything. You know, you plant a seed in the ground, you know, you're going to reap whatever that seed was. And, you know, we use that in the church a lot for getting people to give money. You know, <laughs> we do all kinds of tricks in churches to get people to do stuff, don't we? I'm just being straight with you. Y'all ain't stupid, right? <laughs> y'all know, y'all see through all that stuff, right? But uh, I don't think it's just about money yet. It can be about money. It's what you're sowing your life into, okay? Whatever you're sowing your life into, there's, you're going to reap that. And uh, so if you've sown your life into something recently that hasn't been right, you can get out from under the law of sowing and reaping called the law of grace, right? There's a greater law. That's a greater law. You know, the law of aerodynamics overcomes the law of gravity, Right? That's how airplanes take off, because there's a greater law that overcomes a lesser law. Okay, so there's these lesser laws, but we need to pay attention, because these lesser laws will affect our lives. So this angel was warning me about that. And another thing about the angel was the angel indicated to me that he was going to come and start visiting me more often. Isn't that awesome? Uh, but that was the point about Mr. Asher Antes. He was in the dream. I don't know if he was at the table with me or not, but I saw him clearly in the dream, and I believe, so you make sure you tell your brother that that angel is going to visit him. He's going to have these visitations. An Asher is a red cow. Wow. Say something in that. That's a Hebrew kind of thing. Hebrew. Tell your brother he's a red cow. <laughs> That was a red cow. That's what that. You know, there may be something in that. You know, remember Kathy Walters' revelation about the cows? Come on, a red cow going to bring some. She said the cows were like provisions. Hmm, a red heifer. Huh? An Asher cow. Bring them Asher cows on sacrifices. But that's pretty. That's pretty powerful, you know, and so actually that is how they communicate in heaven. Y'all didn't, if you just wanted to know, it's not telepathic. You know, people call telepathic, that's a worldly carnal. It's through thoughts. Thoughts, you know, because, right, God had a thought, and that's how he created everything. Everything starts with a thought, and he spoke it out. But in heaven, you don't have to speak, just thoughts. That's how people communicate with one another. Just, just by the way, Amen. Uh, that's important. But that's really, a, I believe that we're going to really have some powerful things. But I think the key was the setting. I want to encourage you about the setting. The setting was fellowship. Okay, because we, we were around a round table, okay, and there's a bunch of people there. And one of the things the Lord has shown us that during this season, relationships and fellowship is really important right now. Okay, a lot of people want to tend to, a lot of people want to isolate themselves and sort of have this loner attitude. That is not the attitude you need to have in this time. You need to be connected with other believers and for sure with the Lord. But, you know, because a round table, this is another church thing we're always talking about. Uh, we need to get rid of the rectangular tables and get round tables.
because roundtables are more conducive to fellowship. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but they really are. They're just a lot more expensive than rectangle tables. <laughs> you know? So that's why we say law, so and Reuben. Y'all give some more money, and we can buy some round tables. <laughs> and you can have better fellowship, and the angels will come. <laughs> See, I figured that out as I was saying this. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, so fellowship's important. I see the Lord is really going to raise up a bunch of small groups, you know, and part of it's the connection thing with each other. And I really encourage you to do that, you know, and be creative. You can be creative about it. You know, it can be just, it can be spontaneous. I mean, I have small groups that I go to. I've got two or three of them that I'm involved in every week, okay, uh, with different situations. So I encourage you to develop a small group. It could be a lunch group. You know, we just greet with some people once a week at lunch. And, and, you know, just have some Holy Ghost times. And you never know. An angel may show up. And, and you're sitting there hearing his thoughts and telling you some stuff. It'd be some, some good, cool stuff. Amen? And it may have something to do with the Hebrews, red heifers and, you know, sacrifices and all that good stuff. Because that's something about the end times, right, Dean? It's the end of ages. All right, I wanted to give you this message. Man... This is awesome. They gave me so much time. It's a day on bad day. Uh, <laughs> let me read this. Uh, I wore myself out in the first service. I'm trying to rest right now. I'm so tired. C- coming to church wears me out, man. I mean, I think it should. I think we should get, you know, Matthew was saying, let's act like the Lord won the Super Bowl, which he did. Let's just get wild, uh, you know. I'm in for that. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I'm going to try to get it together here, or I'll be in trouble with Becky. (laughs) Not with the Lord, but with Becky, okay? All right, let me read this. Um, The Lord's good, isn't he? Oh, come on, Lord. You're so good. Yeah. These are some very wonderful scriptures here. Uh, All of them are wonderful. These really, this is wonderful. For by grace, everybody say, by grace. You have been saved through faith. Everybody say, saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Well, Lord, thank you for the gift of God this morning, that you saved us, Lord. It's just the grace of the Lord and, you know, the faith that just, you know, He even gave us the faith to believe Him, to save us. He just, He provides it all. And it's not of works, least anyone should boast. So I just want to make this obvious clear this morning, Okay at the offset here, here, is we don't do anything to get saved except believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in what He did. It's it's all been done. It's a finished work. And we just believe on that, trust in that, trust that His grace is sufficient. Here's for any any sinners in here, anybody who commits sins besides me, what do we do when we commit a sin? We want to hide from God, right? We want to, we sort of pull away from God. I've been bad today, Lord. Right? But here's... This is what the Bible says. It says you've got to go by the blood to the throne of grace that you might find mercy. That's forgiveness. You don't get what you deserve. That's what mercy is. And grace for help. Grace is power to do right. So anytime you sin, don't run from God. Run to God and say, I'm coming by the blood to the throne of grace because I'm going to get this mercy in my life. And I'm also going to get power in my life not to sin no more. And I believe if, if the Christians will start doing that, things will change. But most of us, the devil convinces us to, you know, avoid God, kind of pull back. I'm messed up. You know, the Lord can't speak to me. The Lord can't touch me. I have no access to the angelic realm anymore. All that stuff. And the Lord said, no, if you come by the blood, you have absolute access to me, to the Holy of Holies. Too many times the Christians, you know, we're either stuck out here in the outer court or we're stuck in the inner court, you know, instead of going into the Holy of Holies. Yeah? And God's calling the people to go in and be with Him, and really be with Him. But our minds keep us out. Our minds keep us out. Do y'all believe that this morning? That's really what we got to do. Uh, anyways, what I wanted to talk to you was not about that, but that's always good to talk about. Amen? It says, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And although we don't do works to get to heaven, to please God, there are good works that God has called every one of us to do. 
that God has a plan for your life, if you've heard those words before, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we have these works that... And notice it didn't say that God prepared beforehand for us to do the works, to, you know, he's, to walk in the works. That these, there's a works that's been laid out. Now, this speaks of a resume to me. Everybody know what a resume is? People who have resumes when they're trying to find a job somewhere, they list... This is a, 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 an official dictionary definition of a resume. A resume is a brief account of your educational and professional experience written as a summary of things achieved. That's what a resume is. This is our resume, resume here. We have already, in God's eyes, He's already written our resume for us. He wrote it, and He put it in a book, and it's something, then, and, and it's something that we get to walk in. Now, that's, this is really important. Here's the key is, but God wants us to open the book and discover the resume. That's what the key thing for our lives, right, is to know the good works that we were created to do, that we were supposed to walk in with our life, that, but, because that is the most fulfilling, fulfilling life there is. So the Lord has these books, uh, and it says we're to walk in them, uh, let me just talk to you, just a hit on this thing called walk, because this is really important. In the natural, a child, a person, learns how to walk before they learn, learn how to run, right? And before you learn how to leap, you've you got to walk first, run second, and get in an airplane and fly third, right? Don't try. I was sharing, you know, when I was a kid, I tried to fly one time. I went up on the top of my house. Anybody ever done this? I went on the top of my house, which was at least as high as the roof on this house, and jumped off. That was the that was a law that governs man. My ankles, I thought they were going to explode when they hit the ground. I went straight down. I didn't fly. I was convinced I was going to fly. You can, yeah, it looks easy to me. We should fly. Okay? Well, here's, here's the wonderful thing. You know what? The truth is, in every one of us is this calling to fly. That's what it says in Isaiah 40. Those that wait on the Lord will soar like an eagle. They'll run and not get tired. They'll walk and not get weary. You see, in the spiritual life, now I want you to get this, the spiritual life, we're meant to soar first, run second, walk third. It's, it's backwards, exa exactly opposite. That's why it says we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So your Christian life, everything you do, everything you think, all your spiritual warfare, watchmen these great books, sit, walk, stand. Seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Then you do all that stuff that he talks about in starting in Ephesians 4. Walk in love, walk in peace, walk in joy. It all is coming from being seated with Jesus Christ. It's all coming from being in the heavenly places. And then at the end it says, stand firm against the devil. If people want to go fight the devil and put up with the devil, and they have never learned how to be in the heavenly places. You can't deal with the devil if you ain't been in the heavenly places. Because the Bible has designed us, God has designed us and told us in Ephesians that you're to get up into the heavenly realm, soar, then you can run in life, you can do the things that, you know, running to me speaks of when the anointing comes on you, when the grace is on you, when the power of God's on you, that's what Elijah did, right? He took off and ran, outran horses, which is pretty hard to do in the natural. I mean, left them sitting in the dust because the power of God was on him. But walking is something we do every day of our life. It's walking in the right direction. It is walking out your Christian life. It's walking in and doing the things that God has called you and I to do. So walking is really an important part of it. But walking is a resort of soaring. Walking is a resort of running. It's, walk, it's soar, run, walk. Do you believe what I'm telling you this morning? And you ask, why is my Christian life not working? Because you're trying to walk with never not going up into the heavenly places. That's why your Christian life is not working. And you go up in the heavenly places, and up there, let me tell you, there's a book. And I have a friend who has saw his book. I have a friend, and let me tell you, this man is not a prophet. This man was driving to work. He's a security guard. Well, he happens to be a big-time security guard now over all the security guards. Okay? But he was a security guard, and he found himself in a room while he was on the... He pulled off an exit to go, was going to work one morning and found himself in a room in the heavenly places. And there was books in that room. It was like a library. And these beings, which were probably angels, were letting him look in this book, and the book was his life. It was the resume of his life. And the thing that immediately was disturbed him was there was parts of pages, there was nothing on it. 
it was wiped out. You know, there'd be a, a couple cents and there'd be big gaps. And then some pages, nothing. And he was just really disturbed by that. And the angels told him, that is when you were in sin. That's when you were, were, were not, when you were falling, you know, from the Lord or when you weren't obeying the Lord. And the Lord, the grace of the Lord, the blood of Jesus, because you repented, he wiped that, those things off your page. In other words, God keeps no records of our sins in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Think about all your sins. God has no record of them. He does not. He wipes them out. He erases them from the book. Okay? But He does keep a record. He does have a book. And it's already written. It's already laid out for you and I. And God is very interested in you and I peering in to the books. That's part of being seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That's part of soaring. That's part of the heavenly rim is finding out what is on my resume. Because I don't want to spend my life, this was the, the example I heard as a young Christian, you don't want to spend your life baking God cherry pies when God wanted you to bake an apple pie. Amen? He called Rhonda to make cherry pies, perhaps. And here I am spending my life trying to make these wonderful cherry pies, and they weren't even worth eating. In fact, they were nasty because I wasn't supposed to make a cherry pie. I was supposed to make an apple pie. And see, God really wants to reveal that. Let me uh, show that to you in the Bible. A couple of things. I'm going I'm to I'm trick you, I'm telling you. Psalms 139.16. God is going to trick us. He wants to do something. Okay? God wants to do something. I'm convinced of that. Uh, Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In other words, you've heard the old story. Uh, son, you, you were just—you weren't even a glitter. You were just a glitter in your daddy's eyes, you know. When I first, you know, have y'all heard that before? Well, the father had a glitter in his eyes when he thought about us, and in his heart, in his mind, he he developed the life for us. That was the glitter. He thought about, hey, you know, this is who I'm going to make Gwen Catron, and I'm going to write all this down in a book, and one day she's going to find out what's in that book. She's definitely going to find out when she gets to heaven. But perhaps there's something else. Perhaps we should find out what's in that book today. So we can check to see are we fulfilling it. Because it says right here, And in your book they were all written. God has written a book. There's a literal book. It's a spiritual book. A literal book about your life in heaven. It's your resume. Okay? It's, it's Ephesians 2.10. It's all wrote down. All the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So God has written all this down. He has, has a plan. He has a purpose. He has goals. He has dreams that He's wrote down for all true believers, for anybody who knows Christ. And it would really behoove us to discover the books. So that's what I want to talk to you. It's how we can discover those books right now. Let me read a, a, a wonderful scripture out of Daniel 7, 9 through 11. Are y'all good? Are y'all tracking? I watched, it says in Daniel 7, 9 through 11, I watched till thrones were put in place. Okay? And the ancient of days was sitting. Anybody want, if you want to know what God looks like, he's telling us right here. This is what God looks like. How would, like, would you like to know what God looks like? Well, it's written down, Daniel saw what God looked like. And, it's, and don't you love that word, ancient of days? That's a great word, a great descriptor, descriptor of God Almighty. His garment was white as snow. That was what he's dressed in. He's got something on that's white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. The hair of his head means God's got hair. He's not bald like some people, Frank. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I'm sure there's a bald spot somewhere on God's head just so me and you can be in on like God. But I don't know what wool looks like, pure wool. I've never seen pure wool. I don't think I have. I have no clue. What, I'm going to find out. Huh? Sheep? That's what they got. That's what wool co- well, there you go. They may be something in that. They, sheep have wool. And God's hair is like a sheep's skin. <laughs> huh? Sheep hair. Well, there you go, Frank. we got a little bit of sheep hair. It might not have as much as God, but... Anyways, now listen to this. His throne was a fiery flame. Now, I'm telling you, this is the end-time revelation of the Lord. And the end-time revelation of the Lord that God's going to bring is His fire. I'm telling you that. God is releasing fire. And that's really, this is going to be key for us to read in our resume. 
is the fire. The fire is what's going to really reveal to us his, our true purpose. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire. God's, God's throne has wheels on it, evidently. And the, I don't know why. It's not, that, don't think wheelchair. You know, think there's just these fiery wheels on God's throne. I don't know, it's, I don't know where he's going with those fiery wheels. But they're there. You know, Ezekiel saw the wheel in the middle of a wheel. Okay, he, he saw something. Some of this stuff, they're just trying to figure this thing. You know, some people claim that was flying saucers. Or Ezekiel saying, oh, that's flying saucers. Some people don't think right. If it's a flying saucer, it's one from heaven, like a frisbee from heaven. They were wheels in the middle of wheels, which, duh. You know, the, the downfall of human beings is we, have, we, have, we see something and we don't understand it because we never see anything on earth like it, so we have to relate it to the best thing we've seen. Our, our grid. So lots of times in Scripture, this is what you're getting. But there are wheels on this throne, obviously. Uh, and the wheels are a burning fire. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A fiery stream. There's a river of fire. A river of fire coming out of heaven. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's how God's going to reveal himself. In these last days, there's fire coming to the earth. There's fire going to come into people's lives. And that's really important that we begin to realize it's a time for the fire of God to come. Okay? And we'll never come into the reality of this heavenly resume until we begin to get the fire in our lives. See, the fire is what really brings the reality of heaven into our life. Uh, it says, uh, it came from, forth from before him a thousand, thousands, that's a lot of persons or beings or angels or something, ministered to him. So there's a bunch of stuff in heaven. A thousand, thousands. That's a lot. That's a lot. There's a lot of noise. You don't like noise? Don't go to heaven. There's a thousand, thousand people up there, a thousand, thousand beings that are doing stuff. It's, it's awesome. We get to get a vision of heaven. And ten thousands times ten thousand stood before the Lord. Heaven's pretty big, you know. Um, and the court was seated and the books were open. Books were open. You see, at the last time, there's going to be these books that God's going to open. Okay? And when we stand before the Lord, we are going to actually look into our book. There's this book like this that has mine and your name on it. This is the resume of Byron Wicker. And the, I can see me going before the Lord in the end. And him, Let's open the book, Byron, and let's look at your life now. Let's look and see what I wrote and then let's look at see what happened to you. Did you did you get a hold of what I put in this book? I'm not talking about the Bible. It's a book. You have a book. Rachel Murdoch has a book. You have a book. You have a book. Every one of us have a personal book that God will pull off his bookcase when we come before him at the end of our life. And he's going to open that book. Now let's read. That's pretty oof. That's good though. It's good because this is what this tells me. God is not interested in hiding the book from us today. He's very interested because if he's going to make a, if he's going to judge us, we will be judged by what this book. If he's going to judge us then by what's written in the book, God is not an unjust God. He's a very just the Lord. Like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to make sure if you're willing, if you're open, if you will, you can see this book now so when you get there, the, the judgment on you will be just because you would have seen, you would have known what the book was written in the book. So you won't be caught by surprise and think, oh, I didn't know that, Lord. And he won't say, well, you never told me that. Oh, too bad I never told you, but you're still going to be judged by it. That's not the way the Lord would do you. Okay? He will make sure you knew. Let's read Revelations 20:12. Are y'all following this so far? Uh, this is another end-time deal. I saw the dead, small and great. That means everybody. I don't care, you know, at that point in time, small and great, standing before God. And books, noted it's books, not book. Books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. So he, he makes sure we understand there's a separate book called the book of life. Okay? That's the roll call of all those who gave their life to Christ. All those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in that book. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today and you've given your life to Him, that's not an issue. 
You're in that one. There ain't no problem there. If you're trusting Jesus today, you're in the book of life. Isn't that good news? So you don't even have to think about the book of life. I'm in it. Byron Wicker's name is written, engraved in that book. But there's that other book. Because it says, and another book was in, which is the book of life. And the, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things were, which were written in the books. Not the book of life, but the books. If your name ain't in the book of life, it's automatic. Okay? That's just the way it is. We ain't worried about that. But we're concerned about these other books. Something was written in those books that God, in the end, at the very last moment of my life, is, or my very last, when I stand before Him after my life here has ended, is going to judge me based on that. Okay? I'm thinking, wait a minute. If I'm going to be judged on that, Lord, I need to know what that is right now. I need to find out today what's written in that book, the one that has me on it. I'm not too concerned about the one that has Becky on it. I mean, as a husband, you need to find that book, Becky, but I can't read the book to you. I can help you with the book. Okay? Are y'all good? So that's what the Lord, you know, wants to provoke us about the Ephesians 2.10. The good works are what's written in the book. The resume is what's written in the book. And He wants us to begin to discover what we were created for, and what we were created to do with our lives, and how we were supposed to live our lives. It's very imperative to God. It's imperative to you and me. That should be one of our focuses in life, is Ephesians 2.10. I need to know about this book. I need to, am, am I, is this in the book? Is this in my book, Lord? Okay, and the Lord will do that. The Lord will, I believe this. Well, He has. He is. That's one of the reasons the prophetic ministry is such an awesome ministry. Because it encourages us. It comforts us. It gives us, you know, yes, you're doing the right thing. I see the Lord saying this about you. I, see, I feel this about you. It's trying to provoke you to good works. It's trying to help you in your life to keep walking down the path. How many people have felt like they've had the enemy sitting on them lately? I mean, just slam sitting on them. I mean, I feel like that. Just, he's just sitting. I'm looking for a good, strong man. Okay? Here's the way I feel. Excuse me. <laughs> sitting on me. I feel like the devil's been doing this to me lately. Just sitting up here on my chest, telling me stuff like, listen, 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 Byron, listen, uh, uh, Marlon, look here, son. You're, you're me. I'm the devil, okay? Look, you, you don't need to be saying all that. Them people are tired of this heavenly realm stuff. You got that? They don't really want to hear that stuff. That ain't helping. They need ten steps to better living. Uh, they need eight steps to prosperity. You know, forget all that spiritual. Don't be so spiritual. Why you got to be so spiritual? Then people have heard all your stories, Byron. What's wrong with you? Please don't. Hey, look, don't do that. Has anybody had that? <laughs> I'm serious. That's the way you feel. You feel like hell is trying to stop you. And He doesn't want you going for the thing. And the reason I'm saying He's sitting on your chest, because that's where your heart is. And the things that God's put in your heart, you don't need to believe in revival. There don't need to be revival. Why should there be revival? Oh, you know, the government will take care of that. You don't need to worry about the United States of America. Don't be concerned about the U.S. government. Don't worry about it, Israel. They're going to be all right. Your job, you're just a little guy. Just stay over here and mind your own business, and I won't mess with you. But if you keep that up, buddy, I'm coming after you. I'm telling you, that's what I feel a lot in my life. I feel like I have been resisted and resisted and resisted and pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. And uh, what happened was, uh, anyways, what it is, it's the good works. It's the thing. It's the resume that he's trying to steal from me. He's trying to steal the book from me, okay, and wreck my life. That's what he's trying to do. Get me not to go according to God's script, but go get to another script. Okay, you know, I want you, I want you to know this, okay? There was one, a person who did everything the Father told him to do. At least two people in the Bible did that. Paul... He said that, Second Timothy 4, he said, I finished my course. I finished it. Of course, Jesus on the cross said, it's finished. He said, I finished, he told in John 17, I finished the works that you called me to do. So it's a possibility 
Jesus did it, we can do it, because Paul did it. And probably other people did it too, they just didn't say it. So there's this possibility for a man to walk out the will of God in his life and come to the end of his life and look back and say, I finished. I did it. I'm done. It's over with. I'm headed to heaven. Okay? Now, and there's also a possibility of having an awesome call in your life, having a, a purpose, having an assignment for the Lord, and not finishing it. In the Bible, Moses, that happened to Moses. This is what happened to Moses. The Lord one time told Moses, Moses, everybody needs water real bad. I want you to go over there... And I want you to, to hit that rock. And when you do, water's going to come out and everybody will get water. That was a big day. Okay, well, it happened again. But the Lord said, everybody needs water again, Moses. But this time, I want you to go speak to this rock. Okay, and water will come out of it. Well, what does Moses do? He grabs a stick and hits the rock two times. And then he just chews everybody out. He chews them all out. And he says, Why we, do, we must do this. Give you, you hard-headed people. What's wrong with y'all? Gift y'all water like this. And you know what the Lord said? Moses, you're not going into the, to, to, to promised land over that deal. Because you've been rebellious. Because you didn't do what I asked you to do. You will not fulfill. You will not be able to say, like Paul, I finished my course. In fact, you know what happened to Moses? He, was so, he argued with God for a while, and then God had, later had to say, it's time for you to die. And I can just hear Moses saying, no, I want to take him in. No, you're going to die. And there was this argument between God and Moses about him dying. He didn't want to die because he wanted to finish it, but the Lord said, no, you can't finish it. Now, fortunately, we live in the age of grace, right? So it's so important for us to know that. We can get forgiven and that part will be erased. But I had a friend of mine, this is what the Lord told him. And he was going through all this stuff years ago. And the Lord said to him, uh, listen, this is the last time I'm going to tell you this. He was telling him to go into ministry full time. This is the last time. Been, now, he'd been messing with him for a while. This is the last time. And if you won't do this, I've got somebody else who will. Like Moses had Joshua. Joshua did what Moses was supposed to do. Did you all know that? He, he brought him in. Moses was supposed to do that. But, but because of his rebellion, he didn't get to. And so my friend realized, I better do this. This is my last call from God. It's not that God rejects you. It's not that you go to hell. It's just God had this thing for you, and because of rebellion, resistance, disobedience, whatever, you won't get to do it. God will give somebody else because God's going to fulfill His purposes in the earth. Are y'all following that? That literally happened to my friend, literally. And fortunately, he obeyed the Lord, and he did, and doing, you know, still doing it to this, this day. Sometimes what happens with people is you come to a place in your resume, like in the natural, is, well, that job's finished. You know, I'm going to change jobs. People do that all the time, right? They change jobs. So they have a new job on their resume. Yeah? A lot of people just won't, won't, change, won't change jobs. Um, they just want to keep trying to do what they always did and keep getting what they always got, right? How many people feel like that's going on in their life today? This is what the Lord was showing me yesterday. This is, this is an old wineskin. Old wineskin equals keep doing what you've always got and you'll keep getting what you've always gotten. That's an old wineskin. Here's a new, the beginning of a new wineskin is when the pain of changing becomes less then the pain of staying, or the pain of staying as it is, is greater than the pain of changing. There's people in this room right now, you got pain in your life. One of these days, there's going to, you're going to realize that pain is, it's going to be easier for me to change. It may be some pain with my change, but I would rather change because it's less pain that way than it's stay the way I've been. And see, the Lord's calling the church into to change, to, to become something different so let me read this to you are y'all okay yeah. i want to talk to you about how to, to get it to see that resume now this this is what i want to do um it's psalms 33 let's read psalms 33 verse 10 and 11 Whoa. well here's what happened to me recently well i'll tell you there's several things that happened to me don't you love it one of the things that i can i can do by the grace of god i can do <laughs> Anything I can do is the grace of God. I'm just, let's make that clear right up front. But somehow the Lord has given me the ability to sort of track my life, okay, and see these things that happen to me that cause things. So here's something that happened to me, okay? This is something that happened to me 
a few weeks ago. Me, I, it was on a Wednesday night. Me and Marlon was sitting here, and Andy was leading worship. And I was listening to Andy, and there was this fire coming out of Andy. And I said, Marlon, what happened to Andy? I'm talking about this is something good. And Marlon said, I don't know, but I wish it would happen to me. Right answer. <laughs> and I realized, hey, something going on with Andy, Lord. You know what it did to me? It provoked something in me. I thought, now he's got this fire in him. What about me? Where's my fire at, Lord? Why don't I have fire in me? Now, this is the truth. This is what everybody in this room needs to do. You need to find somebody that's got some fire in them. And you need to start hanging around with them. Because this is what will happen. This, the truth is, this is why revival is so hard on people. Revival forces us into a decision. When God starts moving, you've got to make a decision. When somebody like Andy or whoever gets a fire on them, you have to make a decision. You can sit back and be offended by what they're doing. You're making a decision. You can sit back and stay the same. You're making a decision. Or you can look at it and say, I need what they got. You know? And see, what's what the church in America needs? They need this revival to come. They need this fire to come. And see, that's why when fire comes, people get offended, they get upset, and there's a division when the Lord really shows up. It's not because these people are not sincere Christians and don't love the Lord. It's just that God is certainly forcing their hands. Do you understand? God forces your hands when He moves. He's saying to you, are you in with me or are you going to stay the same? Which means you're out with me. And that's the way I felt that night. I felt when the, when I felt that fire on Andy. I was challenged by the Lord. I knew I had to make a decision at that moment. I knew God was saying to me, you can stay the way you are. You can stay in your state if you want to. But this is what I'm beginning to do in the earth. I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to put fires in people. Okay, I'm beginning to put a fire in a man. I don't care who it is. It may be somebody, well, so, well, I'm Andy. I'm over Andy. I'm over Andy's boss. You know, does that do it? I don't care who it is. It could be a little baby girl come in that's got fire. It doesn't matter because we have to humble ourselves. And we can sit back with our critical attitudes about what God's doing or our resistive hearts and miss the Lord. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. Well, you know, we were talking about this morning. Why do... Why do people uh, from past revivals seem to always come against the new revival, right? Because a lot of people got messed up in the last move of God. You know, down in... Why? Well, some people just get... They just had this woundedness they refused to get over, you know? And then some people just don't like that they're being, you know, confronted again. The, the, the first time they were confronted, they responded to the Lord, but the second time, they don't feel like they need to. They w- just wouldn't humble themselves. So the God, God is wanting to release this fire in the earth, okay? A, a real fire, a real Holy Spirit fire. And so he's starting to do that. I'm, you know, I'm telling you, he's starting to do that. With, but it's, it's not the fires in people's hearts. It's, the fire is not like this outward fire that comes. You see, a lot of you are sitting there waiting for some outward fire. That's, come on. If God's doing something else, get low and get into the fire he is doing. And so God has these, he's got this fire he's wanting to do, so he's, certain people are getting this fire on them. Okay? Different ones are getting their fire on Rhonda's had fire on her. Okay? She's got this fire started in her. So you begin to notice, that person's got this fire. You start seeing, Annie's got this fire. That person's got this fire. Um, I'm not going to set back, Lord. What is it going to take to get the fire? What is it going to take to get the fire? I want the fire in my life. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to stay what God did. Are y'all following that? Let me read this Psalm 33. Yeah, fire, Holy Spirit fire. That's that stream of fire. There's fire, man. I'm telling you, it's real. But this is awesome. The Lord, this is Psalm 33, verse 10. The Lord, listen to this, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations, the nations, to nothing. To nothing. Okay? Then he says, he makes the plans of the people no effect. The plans of the people. The plans of the people. What plans do you have for your life? Now, that's the question every one of us in this room have to answer. Because here's what the Bible's saying. God's going to make it to no effect. You can make 150,000 pecan pies. And if God has not called you to make a pecan pie, He won't eat one of them. And He won't sell one of them for you. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is for you to be blessed and you to be prospered in something that God really hasn't called you to do. Well, I got the best pecan business there is, Lord. Yeah, Byron. But I didn't call you to do pecans. 
I called you to do apples. And see, a lot of Christians are failing in their life because they're making pecans when God said apples. Because they didn't want to go to the book and find out what was in the book. Oh, I'm an apple pie guy. That's what I'm going to do. Did you ever think about Paul and Peter? Paul was the most brilliant intellectual man, understood Judaism better than anybody on the entire planet, understood the law of God better than anybody, gets saved, and who does the Lord send him to? I'm going to send your hiney over to the Gentiles, over to these old carnal, dumb people that don't know nothing about anything. You know, and the stuff they do know is bad. And then he picks Peter, an uneducated, untrained fisherman that just was barely hanging in there before Jesus showed up, sort of legalistic and stupid. He picks him to go and confront all the brilliant people. See, Peter could have said no. I mean, in my mind, well, hey, wait a minute, Lord. Peter's preaching centurion. I mean, or to the, yeah, to the guy at Acts 10, whatever that guy's name was. Cornelius, he did it. He brought it in. Why didn't he get to finish it? Because that's not what I call. I just called him to do that one thing, go over and do that, and then come back home and deal with these guys over here in Jerusalem. I got Paul to, to pick up and take that. And see, what we got to get is we got we to, gotta, that's how you get, you find out about this book. It's not according to what you would think. It's, it's, it's really not according to what you think. You have to be able to lay your thinking down. And the fire will bring your thinking to naught. The fire will begin to give you the perspective that God wants you to have about your life. So the other thing that happened to me, well, I've had a bunch of stuff, but the other thing was I got to have a day completely by myself. Becky was going to visit her sister, so I thought, well, I'm calling a couple of people I was supposed to meet and tell them, oh, something happened, man, I'm sorry. Let's reschedule. Well, something did happen. I'm going to spend a day with the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be with the Lord all day long. I'm going to eat soup and be with the Lord. And I'm not going to go out to eat. I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to spend my whole day just me and the Lord, and we're going to really get down and dirty here about some things. Okay? And really what he began to show me was, was this thing with the, about the enemy being on my chest. He began to show me this is what's happening in your life. And the dreams and the visions I've put in you that I've called you to do, he's talking you out of them. You're being talked out of revival. He's talking you out of revival. You're letting the devil tell you that you shouldn't go after revival, Byron. I put dreams in your heart. It's in your book. It's in your book, Byron. Your book says you are supposed to bring, be part of bringing revival to this nation. And you're letting the devil tell you you shouldn't be doing that because that ain't what God's doing. Don't do it. You see what I'm saying to you? I began to realize things. I thought, oh, my Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, you've got to forgive me. You've got to forgive me, Lord. And it says it in the next verse. The counsel, verse 11, the counsel, everybody say the counsel. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. His counsel is what's going to stand in your life. Not my counsel, not my plan. His counsel. His counsel. God's counsel. Whatever it is for you. The plans of his heart to all generations. The plans of his heart. And you see, the plans of his heart, he has a plan for you. God really does have a plan. We've heard this before. God has a plan for your life, and Satan has a plan for your life. When Satan was sitting on my chest, he was telling me his plan for my life. And I was listening to him because I was in a retreat mode. And I began to look back on my life and realize, oh my gosh, I started retreating. I started retreating, little step at a time. And then one day I'm so far away from what really God has said and the promises of God. I gave up on them because the devil said, well, they're not happening. They can't be God. They're just delayed. They don't mean they're not from the Lord. Because everything that God says to us is going to have some delay on it. I don't know stuff where God says something instantly happens. That's not the norm. I wish it was. So let me read this, uh, Romans 12. Are you all right? This is how you get the plans. All right, this is what you got to do. God, here's how you get the fire. Fire in the Bible comes by sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. In other words, there ain't no fire coming until you're willing to make a sacrifice. 
I'm telling you that right now. That's why the Bible says in, a, in a Hebrews 13, something maybe 15, about worship. It says, the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips. I'm telling you this right now. People who sit around and never open their mouth to worship the Lord, hey, something, you're missing something. You've got to make a sacrifice. You've got to put something on the altar. And if you'll begin to put some, it's like worship. Worship. Now, here I want to tell you this. This is important. Worship is for the Lord, first and foremost. It's not for us. It's for Him. But worship helps us. Worship, that's why you soar. That's why in church, you know, the rule is we're going to worship the Lord first unless God absolutely says no, something else. Why? Because we want to get into the heavenly realm so we can release what God's given us because teaching's for people. Teaching ain't for the Lord. The Lord don't need to hear me talking. If the Lord walked in here, do you think I would stand up here and keep talking? I'd be like you. I would be trying to dig the deepest hole as I could because he showed up. So that is, that's the, the rule. Worship is for the Lord. Teaching is for the people. You do worship first because the Lord always gets served first. That's a, in the Bible. You know, when, I, when you come in from the field, you worked all day. You don't think I'm going to serve you. No, you come fix my supper. And after I have ate and after I'm full then you can do your thing. I'll make sure you can eat. Y'all see that? So what I'm trying to say is, some of you need to make a sacrifice in a very practical way. You need to get up, open your mouth to God, and sit there instead of just sitting there looking and thinking you're worshiping because everybody around you is worshiping. You need to open your mouth. That's a sacrifice. Well, it may be, especially to people like me, because I'm a quiet person. I think I can worship the Lord just being still and being quiet. But sometimes he says, no, Byron, you've got to overcome your normal personality, your normal disposition, and step up and sing out to me, declare out to me. Do you all follow that? I'm just telling you what, read it. It's in Hebrews. I'm, I'm telling you something that's in the Bible, that thing about the sacrifice. Well, here's Romans 12, 1 through 2. Are you all following this? Are y'all okay? All right, Romans 12. I'm not trying to be too wild. All right, one, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy. See, this is all mercy. It's all based on God doing for us what we didn't deserve. His love, forgiveness, His care, all that He's done for us, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And what I just told you is a real practical way of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. This is your reasonable service, or, or literally this is your reasonable spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see what he's saying there? If you'll make a sacrifice, God will bring the fire. And you'll know the book. That's how you get to know the book. That's how you see the book. That's how you know your resume. Is through as you begin to make these sacrifices. Like you put your, put yourself on the altar, and you and when you put yourself on the altar, God brings the fire. And when the fire comes, all of a sudden you begin to see what Satan was telling me, sitting on my chest, and what God was saying. This is what's happening in your life, Byron Wicker. He's trying to, he's shutting you down, and you're listening to the wrong voices. You're listening to something that wants to shut you down. And you have to repent. Let me tell you something. Okay? Let me tell you something. God is releasing fire from heaven. Now, here's what happened to me a few years ago. Okay? I didn't really understand it at the time. I knew somehow, God, you've got to be in this. Okay? What happens? The Bible says, stir up the gift in you. Right? It means there was a fire. It's like a fire. You know how a fire needs to be stoked occasionally in people, in, in, in the natural? But sometimes fires die down, right? And ashes get on the coals. Yeah? Right? And, and, and they just get on the coals, and the everything's covered up by ashes, and you don't think there's any fire in there. There's no hot coals. I cooked a steak, okay, on the grill. This is a few years ago. My charcoal grill, okay? and had me a nice steak dinner and left my charcoal out there for three days. But I read somewhere if it gets wet, it'll make their grill rust. Okay, so I wanted to make sure I didn't leave ashes sitting in my charcoal grill because it was going to rain the next day, so I'm going to throw it out. So I go out on the way up to the church one morning, and I take my grill after three days, and I throw the ashes, and it was just fine ash that flew everywhere. 
Okay? And so then I do that, and then I come up here to the church, and I'm up here for a while, and I walk out to the front door for something, I thought, hmm, wow, somebody must be burning something. Because <laughs> it wasn't wintertime, it was springtime. Something, something's burning, it smells good. I go back in, about minding my little own business, doing my little thing, and then it was around lunchtime, and Becky and I had us a little date, and let me make sure you understand. The date, we were going to go to play golf together, which was really nice of Becky to do that, you know. So we get in the car, and we drive. We're still smelling the smoke, but again, somebody's burning, burning their leaves. So I'm driving back in the neighborhood, and I'm like, well, it's in our neighborhood. Somebody's burning leaves in our neighborhood. How awesome. I love the smell of burning leaves, because I used to burn leaves when I was a little boy, so it reminds me of until I pulled around in my cul-de-sac, and I realized, somebody's burning leaves all right. My woods are on fire at my house. Because in all those ashes, there was this one little coal in there. And it started a fire. And I jumped out of the car, and went out and did my best to stomp that fire out, but it was too late. It was spreading. It was spreading like crazy. I ruined a pair, good pair of shoes. I was so mad about it, trying to stomp out this fire. And we were trying to throw water at it and didn't have a hose pipe for it. And the fire was starting to move this way because the wind was blowing. We've got to call the fire department. Fortunately, the fire department's right down the road. They come, okay? And they come out there, and I, they take care of the fire. They're good at what they do. They know how to put fires out. They put the fire out. The forestry service comes, okay? And they're there, Okay? And they do all this stuff. And then, when it's all over with, I'm talking to the fireman. I go inside. Everything's cool. The fire's out. We didn't burn it. You know what the guy told me? He said, you better be glad the wind was blowing the way it was. or Your house would have burnt down. That's what he told me. Okay? So I'm happy. Everything's cool. Oh, that forestry server guy wants to talk to you. What does he want? And I walk out there. He says, sir, I know you're a pastor. I hate to do this to you. I know you didn't mean to start this fire. He said, but I'm going to write you a warning ticket. And I'm going to put your name up there in Statesville on a list. That's what he told me. And if there's any other fires that get started in this area, you will be a suspect. That's what he told me. You will be a suspect. And if you start another fire in your yard, not only you are going to get a fine, you're going to be fined for this. I'm sorry to have to do this, sir. I know you're a pastor. But the key is, that really happened. That was a bad day. Just to put it like this, the golf game went down the tubes after that. You know? And thank God we were rescued. And I learned a big lesson. Never throw your charcoal stuff out for a long, long, long time. I don't care if it rusts away. Just don't throw it out. Because it was three days. But this is the truth. I realized something about our church Friday when the Lord was telling me, this is what he was telling me, Byron, there was a spark of revival in this church one time. What happened to it? What happened to the spark of revival? There's ashes. They've gotten all over that spark of revival. You let ashes get on the spark of revival. You, you let ashes, you let ashes get over that thing. That one little spark, they can start a big fire. That one little spark, they can be a fire, big fire. One little spark. One little piece. They could have burnt my house down. They could have burnt the church. They could have burnt all everything up. I'd have been in big trouble except for the Lord had mercy on me. And this is what I thought about recently. You know how we think about put your Isaac on the altar? Right? You know, that's what Moses or Abraham did. He put the Isaac in at the last minute. But what if the Lord was saying, Hey, I'm asking everybody to put their Isaac on the altar. Because I want to bring the fire on the Isaac. In other words, I don't want you to just put her and think I'm going to yank it off at the, at the last moment. No, I, I want you to put it up there because I want to release fire on your Isaac. I don't want to kill your Isaac. I want the fire on your Isaac because I do know this. I'm telling you this. I know this. Part of my resume is revival. I know part of my resume is revival. Part of my resume is revival for America. Now, that may sound ridiculous to say that. You know, how am I going to do revival for America? Well, I'm just going to hook up with other people who are doing revival for America. And you get enough of them together, and there's going to be a fire, and it's going to burn all over America. But we've got to go back. We've got to get 
We've got to go, go back to that ember. We've got to go back to that little spark. And I'm going to tell you something. That spark will confront people because you and I will have to make a decision about the fire. And when God starts another fire in this church, you're going to have to make another decision. Maybe you made a decision a few years ago when the Lord started something. Well, that guess what? That was a great decision if you felt like you wanted it. But now you've got a new decision to make. I have a new decision to make. I knew Friday. I'm in a decision moment in my life. I've got to make a decision. Am I going to go for this fire thing that God's talking about? Or am I going to stay the same? And I made a decision for the fire. I made a decision for the fire. See, that's really what God's called, called us to. He's called us to a fire, to find that fire, to, get the, to, get, to dig through the ashes, to dig through all that stuff and get that ember back up there, begin to blow on that ember, begin to put wood on that ember, begin to create an atmosphere that, for that thing to begin to, to burn. And, it, and it's, and it's going to be in us, though. We're going to release the fire. And then when enough of us are releasing the fire, the fire is going to start burning really hard and the whole church is going to catch on fire. And you are going to be so confronted because you are going to be forced into making a decision because you can't. When God shows up, we are forced. We have to make a decision. We have to. We can go to church for years and never make a decision. But when He shows up, when He comes with His fire, you are confronted at that moment. Am I going with the fire or am I going to stay the same? And that's really what he wants to do. Now, we can say there's all kinds of excesses and all that, but who worries about that? We just want the fire. The Lord will deal with the excesses and all that stuff that people seem to have a hard time with. Are y'all getting this this morning? So you present your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Yourself. You present yourself. And you ask the Lord, Lord, here, here I am with my life. Here I am with my heart. This is what, and then when that fire comes, suddenly you're going to start seeing your resume. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was reading the wrong resume. I was reading the wrong one, the counterfeit one. It sounded good. It sounded right. Nine steps to prosperity. You know, 14 ways to have a good Christian life. All that sounds good. But that wasn't my resume. That could be somebody else's resume. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying it's not my resume. I was reading the wrong resume. I was reading the one the devil wanted me to read. And because of that, got to heaven one day in the end, and the Lord says, this is your resume, son. You were doing somebody else's resume, or you was doing the devil's resume. Y'all here, are y'all following this? So we had to really allow the fire to come. That's all I know. I just decided that night when I saw the fire on him, I saw the fire in Rhonda. I thought, I want that fire, Lord. I want that fire. What is it going to take for me to have that fire? And this is the only thing I know it takes is making a decision, humbling yourself and saying, that's what I'm going for. This is what's real in my life. And this is where the decision line is. Okay? This is where the decision line is. I'm going to go for that. And I'm just, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And you just have to let everything else be as it is. And people will make decisions and people will make choices. Because they'll have to, because the fire will confront them. The fire I saw in Andy confronted me. That's what happened. I was confronted. I had to make a decision that moment. The fire I saw in Rhonda confronted me. I'm making a big deal out of being confronted, aren't I? I'm telling you, there's nothing like the fire of the Lord. There's nothing like it. I had a couple of really powerful things. I turned the TV on. I was watching this guy. I hadn't had this happen to me for so long. I can't tell you the last time I had from TV. He prayed, he prayed for this guy. And when he prayed for him, the Spirit of God hit that guy. And it hit me at the same time. Don't you love that? It hit me all the way, miles, hundreds of miles away. This guy said something like, Get him, touch him, Lord, something like that. And when he did, the Lord hit me right in my belly. I knew, I'm back in. I'm back into the fire. I'm back in. If it's coming through TV and hit me, I'm in. And I knew it. I'm into the fire, Lord. Let this fire build up in me, Lord. Let this fire build up in me, Lord. Let this fire burn, Lord. I want the dust. Of... You know what we did? We said, you know, let's get, let's get the ashes. Let's, let's uh, you know, let's tighten up the church. That's what I was saying. We've got to tighten up things. We're missing something. This is what I was really saying. Here's what. Let's get the ashes. All these old ashes off the way. 
let's dig around in those ashes and find that one coal in there. That one coal. That one coal. That one coal. And I want to take that coal and I want to put it on me. And I want it to burn and burn and burn. That's what we're called to do. That's our destiny. That's the dream of God for us. It's revival for America. It's the revival. It's fire. It's being in His holy fire. And yeah, there's some pain associated with it, but just like I say, which pain are you going to choose? You can get the old pain that you've been having. I don't want that no more. I want this new fire. Really, it's an old fire, but it's a new fire. Amen? All right, now stand up if you want. Well, just stand up anyway. I'll trick you. Lord, we want your fire this morning. We want the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. The real Holy Ghost fire. The real Holy Ghost fire. That was Hebrews thirteen fifteen, by the way, on the sacrifice of praise. Open your fruit of your lips. Um, yeah, fire. Let's just wait a moment, okay? Let the fire burn, Lord. Yeah, let the fire burn. Who feels like they've had a fire in them lately? Raise your hand. If you, have, if you feel like you've had a fire, real fire from the Lord, come up here. I, I need the people who got fire. I need your fire. You need my fire. We need you. You got a fire, come up here. That red-handed angel, according to Rhonda Bumgarner, was the angel of fire. I'll take that one all day long. Bring them angels of fire, Lord. Now, fire is a great thing. Fire is a great thing if it's in the right place. I'm going to tell you right now, fire is not good if your house is getting burned down and you aren't really into the real fire. I'm happy to see all these people up here, honestly. This makes me happy. Y'all make sure y'all tell Asher about that angel. He's sort of the quiet guy. Tell him that angel's coming his way. He's gonna, it's going to be good. Now what we want to do is, for those who feel like the ashes have just gotten over, gotten, just covered in ashes, and you, maybe you've been like me, the enemy has just set on you so hard, okay, that you just, and you just wanted to back off. You know, God, Lord, have mercy and forgive me for that. Listen to the wrong voices, Lord. You know, reasoning things away. Reasoning things away. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Some of you in this room, you've reasoned the power of God right out of your life. That's what I was doing. I was reasoning it away. I was thinking, logically, this is the right thing to do. This looks right. This feels right. But America is going to die if somebody, if some people don't get the fire in them. And I'm going to reason the fire away. I'm going to reason revival away and say stupid statements like we shouldn't seek revival. We should seek the presence of the Lord. God, that's not right. Because if I'm saying I want revival, I want the presence of the Lord because the presence of the Lord, there ain't no real revival without the presence of the Lord. I mean, you can't... See, what the enemy wants to do is trick you into saying things and releasing things out of your mouth. So you say... Don't say you won't revival, just the presence of the Lord. You are you're discounting your destiny. You're writing yourself off. And you have to repent for that because your words have power now, remember? What you speak is what you're going to be getting. And then you but you can repent. Jesus will have mercy on you, help you get the good stuff. But the Lord really wants to release the fire. I really feel this. And I don't know what the fire looks like. It looks different in everybody. And right now, the fire is a fire inside that's going to come out of people and touch other people and force other people into decisions. But sooner or later, the fire is going to erupt. There's going to be this combustion that's going to happen where the church is on fire. And I promise you this. I'm going to tell you this right now. There's other churches around here that either are doing this right now, have already done it, or are going to be doing it tomorrow, next week, next year. They are going to be doing it. And they're going to be on fire. And one of these days, their fire and our fire are going to come together. 
And we're going to discover a bunch of churches have been doing this. A bunch of believers have been doing it. And that's when America is going to see the real revival. That's when God's going to really release that wildfire across this nation. I'm believing on that. I'm banking on that, actually. I'm really banking on it. Lord, we ask you to release the fire right now this room right now, Lord. We ask for the Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire. We are, Lord, I am declaring that today. I am not ashamed of the fire. I'm not ashamed of revival. I'm not ashamed of your presence. Lord, I am saying that's what you called us to. I refuse to be a critic. I refuse to be a, a reasoning, logical person that will talk myself out of your inheritance. Paul said the hope of his calling is the hope of his calling. That's why we pray the eyes of our understanding being open. It's because of the hope of His calling. Not my hope, His hope. Not my plans, His plans. As we begin to see that, the fire comes because we're laying down our plans, our visions, our dreams, and we're putting them on the altar. And God don't want to do away with them. He wants to bring fire on them. And however that looks in your life, because it will look different in your life than mine, but it's still the fire of God. Lord, just release that fire right now. Release it, Lord. Release that fire. Fan the flames, Lord. Send that broken, send that heavenly fire, a heavenly wind. Just release the wind. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for discounting the fire. Forgive me for listening to the devil. Forgive me for reasoning. Forgive me for criticism. Forgive me for being disappointed and revivalist. Forgive me for all that crazy stuff, Lord. I'm saying I'm back in, Lord. I'm back into the fire. Lord, I'm in, Lord. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Send that fire angel, Lord. Really, will reap what you sow. Sow to revival. Sow to fire. You'll reap fire. You'll reap fire. You'll reap the fire of heaven. So if you want to, you feel like you want somebody just to lay hands on you, just come up here. Let the people who's got the fire lay hands on you. The Bible says, deep calls the deep. That fire in them that's burning that spark that they found is going to speak to the spark in you. And it's going to call that spark in you. It's going to blow on that spark. It's going to tell that spark, come on, spark. Let's burn together. Let's burn together. Let's burn together. Just come up and let them pray for you. Let the fire of God come.